In today's episode, we're taking that phrase, charge your worth, and throwing it out the window. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. So raise your hand if you've ever wondered if your pricing was the source of problems in your business. Now, if you're like me, you're not actually raising your hand on your morning commute or your walk around the block, but forgive me if I'm imagining a sea of hands out there, because I hardly know a single photographer who hasn't stressed and struggled over pricing at some point or another, and the truth is that most photographers continue to stress and struggle about it a lot longer than necessary. Because pricing is just a formula a formula that even the most math-challenged of you can absolutely work through. The reason pricing feels hard to a lot of us is that a lot of us have a lot of limiting beliefs and mindsets around money and sales and about what people value. A long time ago, I worked as a waiter at a very fancy French restaurant in New York with this incredible wine list that won a bunch of awards And one of the cool things that I got to do as a perk of that job was participate in a program that they called Wine College, where three master sommeliers taught us everything to know that there was to know about our wine list. Every week we would sit down and we would learn all about a different grape and a style of wine and we would taste wine and we would take tests. And of course, the tastings were the most fun part, right? They would open a whole bunch of wine, including a bunch of really expensive bottles, and we would get to try them and talk about them and act really fancy. And all of this was extra fun because, of course, in my real life, (laughs) I was drinking $5 bottles of wine because I was a 23-year-old waiter. But one week toward the end of the three-month course, we were talking about rosé, and the instructor lined up about 10 different rosés for us to taste in a blind tasting where you can't see what it is that you're drinking. And we go all down the row and we're sipping our wines and they're having us describe what we're tasting and we're talking about whether we liked it and all of that. And of course, by this point in the wine college experience, those of us who were taking the course felt like we were actually pretty good at tasting wine and we knew what to look for and we knew what a good bottle was versus a non-good bottle. And so we're all trying this one bottle and we are talking about like the notes of strawberry and it's dry and it's, you know, got a crisp finish and all this sort of easy drinking for the summer. We're describing it in the way that we would describe it to our uh, customers at the restaurant. And the sommelier who was teaching interrupted us and said, okay, I would like to have you all guess what the price point on this bottle is. And this was a question that came up pretty frequently. And so we're all putting out there that, you know, this is probably an $80 bottle. Um, I think that was my guess specifically. And all of us guessed somewhere in that range. Um, And then the sommelier pulls the cover off the bottle and it is a full-on grocery store brand bottle of not rosé, but white Zinfandel. And we were all 
uh, kind of mortified. <laughs> but the reason that the sommelier had chosen this particular bottle to include in the blind tasting was that he was making a point. And the point is that although what we now this was a better bottle of white Zinfandel than most, but what we sell when we sell wine isn't a specific grape or a flavor profile or a structure. What we are selling is a story. So most people can tell the difference between something that's good and something that's bad, but not many people can necessarily objectively tell the difference between something that's good and something that's great. It's really more about how it's presented. And in this particular case, this wine, this bottle of wine, uh, was lined up with a whole bunch of bottles that were we were expecting something expensive. We were expecting something really great and special. And so that was what our brains prepared us to, to get. And the fact that it wasn't a bad bottle meant that it was able to sort of blend in with the more expensive bottles. So in a different circumstance, if that same bottle of wine had been sort of like poured into a plastic cup at a party on the back patio, you wouldn't have the same experience of that bottle. You would just drink it, you know, maybe as something to to get a little buzz or something like that. But when it's lovingly opened and presented in beautiful stemware, in a beautifully lit restaurant with amazing food, you're going to have an entirely different experience. So there's this charge your worth phrase that gets thrown around, and I think it's dangerous for a few reasons. First, and let's just be clear, maybe this is the mom in me talking, but you are worth way more than whatever it is that you're charging. I'm worth way more than what I'm charging. You can be charging a million dollars for your session and you are still worth way more than what you're charging. Second, if you take that phrase to mean charge what your photography is worth, well, no wonder you're feeling frustrated and confused. I mean, what is photography worth? There is um, a photo that holds the record for the highest price ever paid for a photograph. It was at auction at like Christie's or one of those. I will link to the photo in the show notes. If you don't know it, it's called Rhine 2, the number two, by Andreas Gursky. And it sold for $4.3 million. And I will tell you, that if you look objectively at this photo, it is an extremely ordinary looking landscape photo of a gray river on a gray day. And I maintain (laughs) that no one will be able to convince me that there is a reasonable explanation why that photograph is worth over $4 million. People talk about, you know, if your house is burning down, what is it that you run in and grab? And all the time, responses to that include photos, family photos, family photo albums. That's always, that always makes the list. No one ever talks about grabbing the magazine on their coffee table, even though it's filled with really expensive, high-paid commercial photos. And I would say that even if you had the originals of those photos, Uh, they might not make the cut in a fire. And then what about this? 
Let's say that I hired two different photographers to make photos of me and my kids, and one photographer charged $1,000 and one photographer charged $500. Does that mean that the photos from the more expensive photographer are worth more to me than the ones from the cheaper photographer? Not necessarily, right? Maybe they were taken at different times and they're equally important to me because they represent those different times. Or maybe I love the photos from the cheaper photographer more and they're worth more to me because of that. All of this to say that what you charge has nothing to do with what you or your photographs are worth. So stop trying to figure that out. Quick time out. You've probably heard me mention the Simple Sales System, but maybe you don't know what that is just yet. The Simple Sales System is a revolutionary strategy that I developed in my own business based on the lessons I learned from over seven years of in-person sales. I took those lessons and reverse engineered them into an automated online process that guarantees profit with each and every session while reducing my sales workflow to literal minutes. No software, no gimmicks, just a well thought out system that takes the pain and sliminess out of selling and allows you to make a reasonable income as a photographer. If you're interested in learning how it works, I'm teaching the entire process for free and you can grab your spot at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash simple. Now back to the show. If you're in business, what you charge for your photographs should be based on what you need to make to be profitable and the way that you choose to run your business. What you need to make is where the math part comes in. It is really just a matter of adding up your expenses and figuring out your available time. And I am going to be putting together an episode soon that will help you do that um, and walk you through the actual math and the formulas. So stay tuned if that's a sticking point for you. But that math what it gets you to is a clear idea of what the minimum that you can charge is in order to be running a profitable business. So when you add up your expenses and you figure out what you need to be making and um, and you look at that and you divide it out by the number of sessions that you want to do, that's going to spit out a number and that number is your minimum. And then a couple of things will come into play to determine what you can charge above the minimum. So, um, and that, you know, kind of basically comes down to the principle of supply and demand. So if you're in an area where um, you're able to, or if you're really good at marketing, I mean, there's there are lots of factors that come into being able to charge more than the minimum. But the minimum is what you have to be able to charge in order to make doing this worthwhile. And then there's this sort of, third piece that I was talking about, about how you choose to run your business. And let me explain that. Um, That's going to affect your pricing. So when you run your numbers, you are going to come up with a total number that you need to earn over the course of a year. But how you achieve that number is open to some preference and interpretation and all that sort of thing. You can aim to shoot fewer sessions or weddings or whatever it is that you that you shoot if you set your per session or per wedding price point higher, or you can fill up your calendar with a lot more sessions or weddings or whatever, and you can charge less per session. 
So it can be structured either way, and it's totally up to you. You need to evaluate what it is that you want based on your own personal preferences and also who your ideal clients are and the level of service and bells and whistles that you want to include or that your ideal clients are going to want and expect. What you can't do sustainably is charge a small amount of money and then do all of the handholding and include all the bells and whistles for that small amount of money because you are going to eat up all of your time and you're going to prevent yourself from booking enough work to hit your total number that you need. And unfortunately, that's the mistake that I see a lot of photographers make. So to recap, pricing is a formula that has nothing to do with your worth or your photography's worth. Nothing at all. Successful pricing is based on your needs, your expenses, your business model, supply and demand, and what your market will bear. So today, I don't have a download or a cheat sheet for you, um, but I do have an assignment, and I want you to think through how your pricing fits into the bigger picture of your business and your market. So number one, does a market exist in your area? So your geographic area, or if you're a travel photographer, you know, I guess that's boundaries are bigger, but does a market exist in your area for photography at your price point? Um, and when you're thinking about that, I want you to know it doesn't matter whether you are currently connected with those people. Uh, I just want you to evaluate whether you live in a place where some people, and it doesn't have to be a lot, but some people can afford what it is that you're selling. Um, and I am going to put the caveat on that, that there are very few places, certainly in the United States, but even in the world where there are no people who can afford a luxury item. Those people are out there. You just have to connect with them. So number two, is your pricing attractive to your ideal clients? And remember, not everyone looks for lower prices. Some people do, but to certain people, lower prices will actually make them sort of question whether your work or your service is going to be up to their standards. So depending on who it is that you want to work with and what your prices need to be, you don't need to worry about bringing them down to the absolute minimum that they can be if that's not the way you want to run your business. And then number three, is your pricing reflective of the level of service that you intend to give to people? So if you're charging high prices, are you making sure that you have a really slick website and beautiful client guides and high-end products? Um, Your emails all need to be grammatically correct, all that sort of thing. Are you offering custom wall gallery design or album design? Are you doing personalized clothing consultations? If you're If you're charging high prices, you're going to need to to add perceived value by some combination of those things. If you're charging lower prices, you can still include some of those things, but you're going to need to make it so that that's a little more scalable, a little more one size fits all, right? 
So um, maybe you create a Pinterest board that gives a whole bunch of ideas for session, um, excuse me, clothing for family sessions, and you make one per season and you send that out to all of your clients. They're not getting individualized versions. So that would be a sort of lower end of the service spectrum versus the high end service end of the spectrum. Um, So that's your assignment. Answer those three questions, go through them and really evaluate where you are and where you want to be. And then keep an eye out for my upcoming episode, um, which won't be next week, but it is coming soon about pricing and running your numbers. And then finally, if you are not already a member, I would like to invite you to join my free private Facebook group uh, called This Can't Be That Hard. It is a great and a really supportive place to ask questions and share ideas and frustrations, (laughs) Um, all of those things. We do a lot of business talk over there, and it's in a place because it's a private group where your clients won't be peeking over your shoulder. So if you would like to be part of that conversation, you can find it and request entry by searching This Can't Be That Hard on Facebook, and I would love to have you there. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have.